Hey, it's a live stream. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream for February 16th, 2022. Welcome to the offseason. Uh, this is our first offseason show. Um, I'm joined today by Vince Verhey. going to talk about the NFC West, the best division in football. Uh, Mike Tannier will join us in a little bit. He was otherwise called away for the beginning of this live stream, but he'll be joining us later on uh, to preview the NFC West in this offseason. The original plan, I will point out, so the original plan with these shows was to do Wednesday-Thursday shows for four weeks and cover all eight divisions before we got to free agency. It, it turns out that's not going to work because we completely forgot about the combine in the middle of it. And by the time we hit the third week, uh, I will be traveling to Indianapolis on Wednesday. And then Thursday, both Mike and I will be in Indianapolis. And so we're going to end up doing the AFC kind of scrunch together at some point. We're just going to do the NFC divisions. But the NFC West is a really interesting division to start with because, you know, first of all, the Super Bowl champion plays there. I don't know if any of you have heard about this, but the Los Angeles Rams are the current champions of the National Football League. But also, uh, this entire division finished in the top 10 of DVOA this year. Like, even Seattle, which I think, you know, we'll get to them in a little bit, but, you know, they went 7-10. and 10, But the Rams were 5th, the 49ers 6th, the Seahawks eighth and the Cardinals 10th. That's the whole division in the top 10. So this is the really good, really tough um, division. And we'll start by talking about the Super Bowl champion Rams. And the first thing I'm going to point out about the Rams for next year, before we start talking about their free agents and what they want to do in the off season, there is the, um, Way, way, way too early DVOA projections are coming either later today or tomorrow. And this year, unlike last year when I did way, way, way too early projections, I didn't do schedule because at that time we didn't know whether there was going to be a 17th game or not. Now that we know, I did schedule strength also. And the hardest schedule in the league for next year, uh, based on these current way, way, way too early projections, which are mostly based on last year's numbers, uh, is that the Rams have the hardest schedule in the league. Okay. So, I mean, everybody in this division has a hard schedule because they all have to play each other. But mm -hmm. the Rams in particular, one thing that the 17th game has added is that it's made the difference between a first place schedule and a fourth place schedule bigger than it used to be. Because for 20 years... Only two games on your schedule were decided by um, were your decided ranking. by what place that you finished, and now three games on your schedule are decided by what place you finished. So, uh, I believe that the Rams play Buffalo, which is a much harder game than it getting you know the Jets or the Dolphins. You also get the Jets, yes. Forgetting, yes. Uh, so let's talk about the Rams, and you've got some notes as far as cap space, and then we've got a list of their top free agents to put up, and we can talk a little bit about what they're going to do in the offseason. Well, let's talk about their their uh, um, assets going into this, and they, they have a lot of headaches, and a, a lot of headaches to look forward to, a lot of difficult questions to answer, all of which are worth it, because they just won the Super Bowl. So this is, this is the price they have to pay? No problem, we'll pay that happily. 
Um, but they have paid a severe price to get there. They have traded away their first, second, third, fourth, and the sixth round draft picks. Um, they're going to get a compensatory pick back in the third round, but we're looking at a, a two or three player class probably, and not before the third round. So they're not going to get much rookie help this year. Over the cap has them $20 million over the cap effectively right now. Although they've added a new feature, which is very helpful, pointing out what, what they can do with simple restructures, which is just converting sinus, signing bonuses into, uh, uh, you know, shuffling money from one bucket to another, essentially. And they can do that with, with restructures of Stafford, Matthew Stafford, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup, Leonard Floyd, Robert Woods, and Aaron Donald. Uh, they can clear up about $60 million in cap space. And that is courtesy of Nick Corte of Over the Cap who pointed this out. So not every team should go ahead and do the simple restructures and do that because then you're just kicking the can down the road. Your roster keeps getting older and older and you keep locking up players who maybe should not be locked up. In this case, those are players the Rams want for years anyway. Those are all the young guys in the core of their team. So there's no reason not to do, do all that. So they're not quite as in dire cap straits as it appears. That's good news. Uh, the bad news here is you're, you're looking at the list of free agents and, you know, the, the by name value, Odell Beckham and Von Miller are clearly, clearly the top. But I can't help but notice that the bottom two names there are starting offensive linemen. And on top of that, Andrew Whitworth is probably going to retire. And Joseph Noteboom who replaced Whitworth when he was injured is also a free agent for next year. Yes. So if Whitworth retires, that's four of their top six offensive linemen, three free agents and one very likely retirement. Yes. So there could be a whole lot of turnover on that offensive line. Um, so that's, that's the biggest news to me is what was this offensive line for LA going to look like in, in uh, 2022. And this is kind of the quiet key to uh, Sean McVay's team every year. We do our offensive line uh, uh, continuity rankings. He always ranks first every single year, even in 2020 in the in the uh, the peak COVID season. His linemen almost always stay healthy, so a, a lot of turnover there will be a lot of turnover. You know, for, for this team in particular, will be a major factor and a major change, not the kind of thing they're used to. Yeah, looking at their depth chart, there are not a lot of depth linemen. There's Bobby Evans, who was a third-round draft pick in 2019, who might be able to step into one of these spots. But otherwise, it's really just late-round picks and free agents, undrafted mm -hmm. free agents, and guys that you don't really consider very good. You know, they really depended on Noteboom as their, like, jack-of-all-trades replacement lineman, and he's a free agent, too. Yeah. So that, that's the biggest question mark, I think. Uh, the, the, um, except for Be Beckham, all the skill talent is coming back, and they're also getting Robert Woods back from injury. So they should be fine at quarterback. They should be fine at uh, receiver. Uh, running back is a question mark <laughs> because it was so uh, – a, a committee in the regular season and then a, a terrible committee, a dumpster fire of a committee in the playoffs. I, mean, I would think that Akers is the starter again next year, and they yeah. just – chalk up how bad he was in the playoffs to i mean some of it was scott spratt ran some numbers about him getting hit before contact like he didn't gain much yardage before contact he was getting hit pretty early so that was more on the offensive line than him yeah and they just you know hope that he's better with more time to rehab the achilles and i'm acres is pretty much the starter for next year i think yeah but uh on the other side of the ball uh, I'm assuming Aaron Donald is coming back. I know he's he's whispered about it, and uh, 
I think that's just a spur of the moment thing. And he seems to have a lot of football. Obviously, <laughs> does not seem to be washed up. He seems to he seems to still be the best player in the NFL. Um, so I, I'm assuming he'll be back. And Aaron Donald and five practice squad guys is a pretty decent defensive front right there. Um, so as long as he's around, they'll be fine. Um, linebacker, I think Troy Reader is also a free agent, but he's an uh, restricted free agent, I believe. Oh, okay. Well, that's that. And and frankly, even if he was gone, that's that's not the kind of player you you uh, break the bank to keep. But no, um, especially the Rams. The Rams have, I mean, they have taken their off-ball linebackers very lightly over the last couple of years, so they're not going to yeah. all of a sudden put money into that position. Yeah. But all things considered, for a team that was, you know, supposedly all in and uh, uh, with, a, with with the Stars and Scrubs model that we've been talking about all year, both those factors. But the fact is, this still looks like a pretty strong team for 2022. Um, well, uh, the Stars well. are still there. That's the thing, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, no matter what happens with these guys, assuming Aaron Donald doesn't retire, mm-hmm. they still have Stafford. They still have Cup and Woods. They still have Aaron Donald. They still have Leonard Floyd. They still have Jalen yes. Ramsey. They have their starting safeties. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. Darius Williams is likely going to go elsewhere, and they don't really have another cornerback. Um, no. Dante Dayon had pretty bad charting numbers this year, and he's also a free agent. So that leaves Ramsey and David Long and nothing. Which is, you know, um, not well. They had Williams, but <laughs> that, that, right. If Williams le- leaves, and I think Williams has played well, he can get some money somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. If you're the Rams, where would you spend your money here on these guys? If you look at these guys, plus like Sebastian Joseph Day, the nose tackle, like where, where, who's most important? Do you think the offensive linemen are most important? I mean, they probably come cheaper than Beckham and Miller. Although I don't know what's going to have with. Be- I don't know what's going to happen with Beckham now that he's got, got another torn ACL. Cause if you mm. sign him, you're stuck with him rehabbing the whole season. Yeah. I, I, I expect, well, I shouldn't say expect, I would guess that um, he will be unsigned until sometime close to when he's ready to play. Um, and, and guess is the best word there. Cause I, that's, that's completely pulling something out of thin air and making a, I guess this is what would happen. Uh, Von Miller will probably get a, a, a lot of, a lot of attention. In the, in, in the in the market um because no every team always needs edge rushers so I'm, I'm thinking their best bet is to take what limited resources they have and, and just keep this offensive line uh either as stable as they can or you know because the running game is so bad and as you noted cam makers was getting in the backfield all, all the time maybe this is a chance to upgrade somehow um but that that's really the key to, to the mcveigh offense is keeping that offensive line uh well together is the wrong word if i'm talking about making changes but keeping it strong keeping it reliable um if if, if we have not seen a Sean McVay offense with significant uh, uh, personnel issues on the offensive line. And I suspect if we did, it would be a, a serious downgrade from what we've seen over the past five or six years, however, however long and, he's been there. And Useful was first asked about left tackle and Whitworth retiring. And we did mention, yes, that it is very likely that Andrew Whitworth is retiring and therefore the Rams have holes at three uh, offensive line positions. And as we pointed out with Joseph Noteboom, also a free agent, that means four of their top six offensive linemen mm-hmm. are either free agents or probably retiring. And I would actually, you can actually go even farther. If they really want to blow something up, I was looking at the, uh, any, any potential guys they could cut for cap savings. And 
They cut Rob Havenstein to save about $5 million, but then you're down five-year top six offensive linemen. <laughs> that's, that, that's, a, that, that's a dangerous game to play there. Um, Ashawn Robinson and Tyler Higby, they could save about $5 million each by cutting those guys. I don't think either one is a, is a guy you want to cut. Um, but if they need to do some salary cap chess, those are a few of the limited options they have. Yeah, I mean, those are not guys you want to cut because if yeah. Joseph Day leaves and then you cut Ashawn Robinson, now you're down both of your non-Donald defensive linemen. And if you get yep. rid of Higby, I mean, do you think that Kendall Blanton and Bryson Hopkins, you know, Hopkins could, it was a fourth round pick in 2020 and, you know, has spent a couple years as sort of a red shirt, I guess, finally played in the Super Bowl, played reasonably well in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe... You do cut Higby and make like Bryson Hopkins your starter at tight end. I don't know, but uh, I think those are mostly – they're in a pretty tight space as far as a lot of these moves go. I mean, the thing – they're in a pretty tight space with the knowledge that they're best players that they can keep, you know, the mm -hmm. guys like Donald, assuming he doesn't retire, Ramsey, mm -hmm. Stafford, those guys are all – Robert Woods, those guys are all going to be there um, – but they're going to be a stars and scrubs team again next year. Like they're some of these guys are going to leave and they're going to have to replace them because they don't have draft picks. They're going to have to replace them with lower range free agents. And yep. it's another going to be another year of stars and scrubs and just hoping that everybody stays healthy, which the Rams have a really good record as far as guys staying healthy. They do. They're, they're very good at that. Like year in and you're out and, it's going to be even more stars and scrubs because and we, we like Tyler Higby is not a scrub, but don't misunderstand me. Neither is Ashawn Robinson, but they're, 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 they're top level of the guys that on this particular roster, you might label as scrubs. Um, that, that layer is, is where they're really going to, is where they're really going to suffer some losses here. So um, they got that to look forward to. And like we say, they're still probably going to be a good team in 2022, but this, constant trading away of draft picks they don't have a first round pick now until 2024 assuming they hang out of that one um and eventually this is going to catch up to them they have a very aging roster about mm, 2024 2025 then then the reaper the, the tax man is really going to come due so um reminder uh to like and subscribe to the show by the way if you're watching us on youtube or Twitch, please ask some questions, make some comments. If you're an NFC West fan, we want to hear what you think about your team that we're talking about. If you're listening afterwards uh, on the uh, Football Outsiders Podcast Network, please like the show, subscribe, make sure you're listening to all our shows. This week and next, we're doing Wednesday and Thursday shows. Uh, let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, who are going to probably change their quarterback. And SAD, or shall I call him SAD, says, Jimmy G to Washington for our first, please. I don't want to draft a quarterback. Well, that's another interesting question on its own, which is what will Jimmy G do away from Kyle Shanahan? And is Jimmy G a quarterback that a team like Washington wants to add? Um. I would think that it would make more sense to draft a quarterback if you're Washington and take the gamble. But um, I understand the idea that you think your defense is going to rebound and Jimmy G uh, could be an addition for you. Uh, what we know is that Jimmy G will be gone from 
mm-hmm. uh, will be gone from San Francisco because the the way that his salary works and whatever, if they're not keeping him around as the backup. He's going to get traded somewhere this year. Yeah, they, you don't make the trade they made last year for Trey Lance to keep him on the bench and keep paying Jimmy G. If they, if they trade Garoppolo, they're clear, they will clear more than $20 million in cap space, and they're pretty up against it right now. Um, so they'll get a bunch of essentially free money by trading him away. And then you look at the draft picks they will get in return. When you consider that the New York Jets got a two and a four for Sam Darnold, <laughs> Garoppolo should get at least a first round or probably a, a little more, a little uh, extra extra spice kicked in there. So I don't think they will because I think with Sam Darnold, there was this prospect of he could possibly still be really good like the potential. I don't think anybody thinks of Jimmy G as a guy who has any potential. I think at this point it's like Jimmy G is what, what we think he is and that's what he is. So I, yeah. I don't think they're going to get a first, but they probably hmm. can get a second. All right. But regardless, the, the deal is going to get made and they will take the best offer they can get. And I, I would, I would add it's a bad year to need a quarterback. Um, he's probably yes. the best. He's probably the best veteran available unless you really like Carson Wentz, I guess. Um, well, or unless Rogers or Wilson is available, but um, yeah, and 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 well, I don't think either one of those guys honestly is. And if you um, get one of those guys, the the package and draft picks and players you'd have to pay to get, to get them would be so mammoth it would blow up most of your team anyway. So, but yes, obviously Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, so the Niners, they're not quite as. Uh, uh, draft pick poor is the Rams, but they did just trade up for Lance, and so they have no first rounder, they have no third rounder, and they don't have a lot of cap room. And they're another team where uh, a lot of their best free agents are the offensive line. Lakin Tomlinson's on this graphic. Uh, Daniel Brunskill's the right guard; he's a free agent too. Um, the Shanahan scheme is, you know, it's 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 two backs and runs and play action, um, which, which sounds archaic, although obviously he makes it work very well. Uh, so, so offensive line is offensive line is a key area for them. Those would both be big losses. Other than that, that's, that's not a monster list of free agents to keep. Jaquaski Tart's very good when he's healthy, and he was healthy this year. But like most San Francisco defensive backs, that's a anomaly <laughs> that he was healthy this year. So. San Francisco has a ton of their second layer guys as free agents. Mm-hmm. If you go to the R Lads depth chart, there's a ton of red, which means free agents in the second string. But those are all replaceable players. Arden yep. Key had a nice year, and Maurice Hurst, and Mohamed Sanu, and Trent Sherfield and Dante Johnson, and these are all, like, replaceable guys. Yes, so um, as far as their team and, and, and what their question marks are and where they should focus on this offseason, obviously it's all about adapting Trey Lance and what they can do to protect him and help him and elevate him and get the most out of him they possibly can. All the receivers are still around. They still have the the, the, the scariest yak attack in the league. Um, <laughs> uh, Juszczyk is still there. Ayuk, Samuel, Kittle. So they have weapons. They don't need to worry about that. Right. But I'd be, I, I would be very concerned about uh, those two possibly losing two offensive linemen and doing everything I can, everything I can to keep and or well not keep and or but keep or replace them to a to a suitable degree. And they probably need to sign Debo Samuel to a big extension. There'd be nothing wrong with that. That'd be a great thing. Because I to believe do. he has he has one more year left. 
you know, that, that would also be a good part of their offseason goal. But otherwise, um, you know, honestly, mm-hmm. for, for all this, uh, we're flapping our gums here. But the, the, the bottom line is this is a playoff team that won a couple of playoff games. And what's going to happen in 2022 is going to be determined by how this quarterback change affects them. And yeah. obviously, a lot of people are assuming it's going to be an upgrade. It'll probably be an upgrade. But, I mean, Garoppolo's flawed, but he's not terrible. He's not Sam Darnold, just to, to throw out a name I have written down here. Um, and and he was, he was a big upgrade over the the um, the guys they had last year when he got hurt. And so so we're, I know we're, we're comparing him to Nick Mullins and guys like that, but he's not a joke. He's, he's not a... a, a, a he, an anchor that's holding this team down. He has some things he does well. So just assuming that Trey Lance will come in and his first year as a starter with very little experience and be a significant upgrade, I don't think we can uh, – it's possible, but I don't think we can assume that's going to happen. No, I think the most likely scenario is that it's about the same. Yeah, maybe a little different uh, – more more mistakes and more highlight reel plays. So it'll turn in more into a Joe Burrow style or Matt Stafford style for that matter. Um, risk and reward guy, a lot more exciting. <laughs> right, and more runs, more runs. And, and a lot more runs, and, and which also, by the way, goes back to we got to make sure this offensive line is taken care of, make sure we have the guys blocking for him who can uh, keep him alive and keep him upright. So, right. But that that it, that is the biggest question about what's going to happen, what's going to happen this season, this upcoming season, is uh, how does Trey Lance do as a starting quarterback in the NFL? I wouldn't be surprised if Brunskill or Tomlinson leaves because they have Aaron Banks, who they took in the second round last year. And I'm assuming he's ready to slide into the starting lineup. I mean, they better hope he's ready to slide into the starting lineup. When you take someone in the second round, you expect that guy to be a starter by year two. Yes. Um, The secondary is definitely going to need some work. Like, um, Jakiski Tart, there's no clear strong safety behind him on the depth chart. And a lot of cornerbacks mm-hmm. are free agents. Kwan Williams, Josh Norman, Dante Johnson, Jason Verrett, Tarvarius Moore. I forgot he was on the um, team. <laughs> well, that's the thing is it's just like, oh, well, okay, so they've got this guy in reserve. No, he's also a free agent, but they've got this guy in reserve. No, wait, he's also a free agent, but they've got this guy in reserve. No, he's also a free agent. So um, they're definitely going to need to bring back guys, corners, or sign new corners. I don't know what you want to do about Jason Barrett. He's so talented when he plays. He cannot mm-hmm. stay healthy. Josh yeah. Norman, it's time to put out the pasture. Yep. Um, Kawan Williams is a you know reasonable nickelback. I think bringing him back makes sense. Yeah, um, a, a lot of these guys, like you noted, Norman, their deals are up, but they're guys you'd want to get rid of anyway. So it's kind of addition by subscri- addition by subtraction. Um, and that was definitely their weak point this year with the secondary. We saw them. Uh, it's too bad Brian's not here to, to talk about all their third and long DPIs that bailed opposing offenses out over and over and over again. But th- that's an area where they can upgrade. Um it, or at least they have a chance to upgrade something because their starters last year were, were negatives. So just getting yeah. up to average play in the secondary on the, on the whole, especially at cornerback um, w- would help this team the, the season and it may, may help them improve. But hey, again, stranger, what's said, going on? No first round pick, no third round pick. And there's Mike. Hi, Mike. Greetings, everyone. Oh, we're knee deep in the 49ers. What a great time to, to show up. 
You missed the Rams, but we're just finishing up the 49ers. If you have any last second thoughts about the 49ers and their secondary or their quarterback situation before we move on. Trade Garoppolo for scrap, insert Trey Lance, maintain as much as possible, attempt to win division. Basically. That's where we were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo! All right. Let's move on to the Arizona Cardinals. That's the next team that we want to take on. Uh, again, 10th in DVOA this year, the Arizona Cardinals, but a playoff team, but lost in the playoffs. Theoretically, I should have gone with them ahead of San Francisco because they were the second place team. San Francisco is the third place team. But this is not a complete list of free agents. For example, no. I didn't put Zach Ertz on this list because wow. he was only on the team for half a year, but obviously he's very important. Um. What do you guys think? Uh, these are the top names other than Zach Ertz. I probably should have done six names. But the Cardinals, um, the Cardinals, uh, Chandler Jones may go elsewhere, and Christian Kirk may go elsewhere because they have Rondale Moore to replace him. They are right up against the cap, by the way. So whatever they do here, they've got to sort of squeeze it in. And you don't squeeze AJ Green in under the cap. That's not a logical thing to do if you're at this in this position. No. You don't try to squeeze running backs under the cap. That's not logical. Chandler Jones is in his 30s. I don't know how much sense that makes. Um, so I mean, what I would probably do is attempt to get Kirk in place. Um and uh, but I mean we're, we're we're missing the big picture here, and that's the fact that the quarterback and head coach are unfriending each other on Facebook as we speak. And yeah, while you know, from what I've seen, the uh -huh. suggestion is that it's Kyler Murray has a problem with the ownership, not with the coach. That's reasonable, or yes, and that's that's not a good thing either. <laughs> with having a problem, the coach is the one he has to actually deal with on a day to day basis. Yeah. Right. And, and J.J. Watt wants to inform us that it's nothing. Of course, J.J. Watt's going to make it about J.J. Watt. That's what he does. Um, but it's it's tricky to look at that, what, what you just showed me there, and say, oh, I, I can see a logical plan for this team to get better. Uh, they're going to have a hard time maintaining a, what, what was a pretty old roster in terms of especially their, their well-known players, pretty old roster in the first place. So the interesting thing about Kyler Murray and the soap opera that, as far as I can tell, he started this week. Right. Um, they have until May 2nd to decide to pick up his fifth year option. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I wrote about that in the Almanac last year about how what an important this year was for him. And as I wrote it, I expected that by this time we would have a very clear answer. And I don't know if we have a more clear answer now than we did when the season began. Um, well, obviously, they were much better. They didn't make the playoffs, but they collapsed in the second half again. The playoff game was not a, a positive thing in any way. <laughs> there are no takeaways from that performance to, to, to be happy about. Right. And so they have them under contract for cheap for this year, but they have to decide now, do we want to commit the next two years to him? And in the process, guarantee him around $28 million in 2023. Or do they want to kick the can down the road and maybe give one more, one more year to wait and see? So like I say, that's a very strange time when you have that kind of money on the table to say, you know what, I'm going to, start some Beverly Hills 90210 stuff going on with my uh, <laughs> with my head coach and get, get, get the gossip meal going. That, that, it, that's odd timing. It seems to me like odd timing. It should be um, extension time. That sh this should be a time where we're talking about extension. That's off, I think that's off the table right now. Mm -hmm. I think for that fifth year, since it doesn't really cost you anything in 2022, it gives you some trade leverage to at least okay. have like, an extra year of contract in there. We're not going to try and trade him without a contract in place. 
But I mean, I think they're going to pick up that fifth year. The question is, are they picking it up in the name of just creating trade leverage because they've got a FUBAR situation? Or do they still think he's the future? And that's impossible to figure out right now in the midst of, like you said, Beverly Hills 90210, Glendale 10304, whatever it is. <laughs> so you mentioned they are an aging roster and they don't have a lot of cap space. They have a couple of a couple of cut candidates. Justin Pugh on the offensive line is 32 yeah. years old. They can save $10 million by cutting him. Jordan Hicks is 30 years old and still very good, but they just drafted two linebackers and they can save six and a half million by cutting him. Um, Devon Kennard is 31. He has a cap at almost $5 million. Only started seven as 28 games over the last two years. So there's some veterans they could let go of right. to get a little more space. And they, ha- they have this to hang their hat on. They're the only team in the division that has a first round draft pick this year. So <laughs> way to go, Arizona. You win the draft pick bowl. But uh, it's pretty they're, late they're, though. It's like, what is it, 18th, 19th? Uh, I have it on this screen. I have too many screens open right now. Forgive me, folks. I just sat down. I was driving around. Uh, they picked 23rd. Not- that's that's kind of late. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah, we can. 23rd is where. Still better than the other three teams in the division as far as yes. the first-round picks. Um, I think it would be interesting whether they bring Ertz back because the tight end has never been a big part of their offense until they traded for Ertz. Yeah, but you're going to bring Ertz back at, what, 33? Um, and, I, I mean, if you cut those guys, you can create space. That space should be, I would think, for a Kirk extension or for a, a year of Chandler Jones. Um, I, I I don't see it. I don't, I don't see bringing Ertz back of, of all the uh, of all the guys here. If you let Green go and you re-sign Kirk and Kirk goes back outside, then you've got Kirk and Hopkins on the outside and Rondale Moore as your slot receiver. That's a pretty good starting three right there. And Max Williams is a free agent too. So there. Is oh, zero. I was going to mention him, and I neglected that. So never mind. There is zero tight ends at this point, which is a little bit of a roster construction problem. Yeah, uh, believe it or not, according to our lads, their third and fourth tight ends are also free agents. So it I really is all the, every single tight end is a free agent. Draft McBride out of Colorado State, bring him in with your first round pick, and then yeah, cut enough guys. And I don't know, maybe just try to get Chandler Jones. I don't know what Chandler Jones is going to mark market's going to be last year. All of the big name, older edge rushers wound up having to kind of sign prove it deals. Mm -hmm. So that's possible for him. It's also possible that he just goes back to the mothership uh, in new England. Like everybody likes to do for a year and and looks awesome. And then gets another five-year deal. I don't know. Anyway, this team's going to stink. So who cares? (laughs) (laughs) The Cardinals stink and they have no fans. Who cares? Sorry. I'm worked up. They, they don't stink. They were a playoff team, my man. Yeah, you watch that playoff game, that Monday night playoff game. They don't. That was stink not good, there. but you know they were a playoff team. <laughs> they were a playoff team. If, look, if I, I kept insisting about the Patriots that there's a history of teams getting slaughtered in the playoffs and coming back to be fine in the next couple of years, so that goes for the Cardinals too, right? Don't don't overestimate the power of one bad playoff loss, but. I think it's the decline in the second half that is more worrying than the one playoff game. And the uh, fact that it's not the, the, the second consecutive second half collapse. Right. Year. I don't know what to make of this idea that Kingsbury's teams always collapse in the second half. Like it, it, the, you say that and then you're like, okay, why? 
right? Like if that's the hypothesis, then what are the reasons behind it? I don't, I have no idea what the reasons behind it would be. No, but then you put on back of this, suddenly there's a drama in the off season and it seems like there's something rattling around in a can in the organization, you know, they're unrelated and yet they seem to be related in some way. Like there's some fundamental flaw with how this team's doing business that they fall apart, they crap the bed. And now there's friction with the quarterback again for the second time in four years, you know? Yeah, I honestly, I just don't know what to make of the social media stuff with Murray and how much friction there really is with the, you know, if it's just with ownership or whether it's with the coach or whether we're just making something out of nothing entirely. Well, Mortensen said that, it, that there was, uh, you know, the, the finger pointing in the organization and, and questions about his maturity and his character. So, you know, I think my response to that is they should trade for Carson Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> O.C. Park, Parkway points out Kingsbury's teams always die in the second half going back to his days yeah. at Texas Tech. Yeah. And that's true. The thing right. is, if we believe that that is real and not just some weird, you know, random trend, why? Like, what is he doing that's causing that? I don't know what would cause it every year. Right doesn't look like it would be a conditioning thing. That yeah, if it's a conditioning thing, like is it the same conditioning staff that was at Texas Tech that's also at Arizona now? Like not as far as I know. Right, these veterans like A.J. Green forget how to take care of themselves even on their own. <laughs> Two years ago, it looked like it was a play-calling situation that didn't look like the case this year. I don't know why a center can't snap anymore in December. That That's like... Yeah. Right. Well, they had problems with both of them too. They had problems with Garcia and then Hudson came back and he was missing snaps. So, right. I mean... Right. There's never been anything like them as far as the amount of blown snaps, as far as I can tell. Right. I, and uh, I don't have an answer to the question, but um, it, it whether it's a, a lack of focus late in the year, you know, that you think of blown center snaps and, and it's we're talking about a little more than a dozen plays over 17, 18 games kind of the playoffs. Or, yeah. And uh, um, it doesn't seem like it's, you know, that huge a sample size, but when you can't execute the most fundamental part of a football play repeatedly, when you have a, 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 a pattern of being unable to do step one, yeah. <laughs> there's, mm-hmm. it's a sign that something is rotten inside the organization. There, there, there's something missing here when, when your fundamentals are that bad. Right. So it, it's, it, it's strange. <laughs> like, but I would also point out this, this team won a couple of games without Kyler Murray. So the roster is not barren, although they're going to maybe lose some guys and a lot of guys need to open decline. But like, like Aaron said, this is not a terrible football team, but they're in a weird position um, where it's not, it's not clear whether they need to, to, to uh, uh, blow it up or, 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 you know, go all in to, to, to steal the Rams methodology. It, it, it's not clear what they should do or how they should go about it. They're, they're, they they're in a weird. To, if they attempt to go all in, it would be the biggest wet. Yeah blanket catastrophe in the world this team cannot go all in i'm not sure how they approach it but you've already got you know jj watt and deandre hopkins you already kind of did your all in i don't know what you what what, what you think they could add to that you know i I guess guess wilson you know sorry what they could add russell wilson (laughs) yeah i you know i suppose (laughs) right I think they're set at quarterback, though. I again, I, I I feel like we're making too much of this Murray social media thing. Yeah, oh, well, that's fine. But then, that then, on stove, but putting Wentz and Wilson on every team, buddy. 
I, I'm, yeah. I'm doing it. I'm putting Wentz, Wilson, and Garoppolo on every team. And again, I understand it seems like we're making too much of it. That's what we were saying in Philly last year, this time. Uh, true. And I don't think it, 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 well, two things about Murray. First of all, it's, it's, it's backed up by the, the on-field performance was lacking. There was a lot right. of really bad Kyler Murray games in there. Yes. Um, so it's, 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 it's not just that he scrubbed his social media, but the other thing, and I think this is more relevant is this didn't come out of nowhere. There's been questions about his commitment going back to college. He was supposed to be a baseball player. Right. And it wasn't until he had one good year in college where he, he, he uh, went back on this baseball contract with Oakland and said, I'm going to play football instead. And then he had a good year as a rookie and a good first half of the year in his sophomore season. And then last year, or well, it's last year now, <laughs> 2020 happened. Yeah. And um, there, there, there's, you know, he's not a guy who's been um, lights out, check all the boxes, franchise QB. You know, he's quiet. He, he's not uh, super charismatic. He seems like sullen. He seems moody. Um, and I don't want to be uh Joe sports talk guy where we read it too much, too much into that, but I, there's something hot about takes, it. Baby hot takes. Yeah. There, there, there's <laughs> something. He, he's not a guy who, who's, you know, um, he doesn't strike you as, as a leadership guy or a lead, even a lead by example guy. He strikes you as a guy who shows up, makes a couple of big plays and goes home. Yeah, it's funny because, again, here in Philly, Jalen Hurts, you'll hear about his leadership real quick, you know. But mm-hmm. what, you don't necessarily hear that about Kyle Mar- Kyler Murray. You don't hear, like, yeah, he's galvanized this, galvanized that. You hear, so, so I don't know if that's just the Arizona media and it's quiet there. I, I'm always reluctant to take, like, the pre-draft storyline and, like, connect the dot. Like, oh, well, he had, he had a lack of commitment mm-hmm. here and now we have this. But there's, but there is. There's just so much smoke right now. There's enough smoke. Exactly. It's social media. It's it's Morton's report. It's the fact that he collapsed in the second half. It's the fact that he went from like some vague MVP chatter in October, and it and it dematerialized yep. down to nothing. That you know, you you're left with no choice but to wonder a little bit. Any any one of these would be not be a big deal, but right. when you put them all together, it's like there there's there seems to be something not going right here. Uh, I'm still on team smoke. I'm on team smoke as far as this, but, um, but I do, I do wonder about the Kingsbury second half thing that that's less smoke to me and more fire. Okay. Um, Let's talk about the weirdest team in the NFC West and the last team in the (laughs) NFC West. And that is the Seattle Seahawks Mm -hmm. Uh, weird because for a large part of this season, people thought that this was like one of the worst teams in the league and their fans were completely despondent. And yet DVOA thought they were reasonably good. And then they really peaked at the end of the year. They had like three really strong games at the end mm-hmm. of the season and ended up in the top 10 of DVOA mm-hmm. with this weird offense that consisted of nothing but three and outs and deep bombs <laughs> to Tyler Lockett. Um, here is a list of Seattle's biggest free agents. Obviously, the biggest question about the Seattle Seahawks is whither Russell Wilson. You want to talk about your smoke and your fire and your offseason and your, <laughs> um, your off-field, like, do coaches and players get along discussion and everything? And Right? The whole, like, does Russell Wilson want to, want to play in Seattle? Does he want to be traded? Like, that, that discussion is the leading discussion before you get to any of these players who are going to be free agents this year right yeah and and, and obviously if, if um you you 
have to answer that before you answer anything else. Um, I can tell you living in the Seattle area for, for whatever reason, the, the chatter is there, but it seems much, much more quiet this year than it was last. Um, and I think a part of it is Russell Wilson just likes to have his name in the headlines. And so he just lets out little whispers. And I, I think he just likes the attention, quite frankly. You would um, actually think that there would be more talk about it this year because we just had Stafford is, uh-huh. get traded. I mean, this is the second straight year where a guy switched to a new team and won a Super Bowl. So you'd think yeah. that the whole Russell Wilson wants to go somewhere new where he can win a Super Bowl thing would be louder. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it It's all very strange. Um because you're, you're right about that, and you're right that, you know, last year this time, they, they had a bad playoff loss to the Rams, but they were they were a 12-win team. They were very good, and 12-win teams don't treat their quarterbacks. This year, they're coming off a losing season, a last-place finish for the first time in 20-whatever years. Um, that's a that, that sounds like a team that would blow things up, but as you mentioned, uh, the Seahawks were definitely better than their record this year. I don't know how good they really were, but they were not a 7-10 team. They happened to just lose every single game they had a chance to lose mm-hmm. um when they played well they, they they crushed a lot of teams and a lot of them were bad teams but that's what good teams do sometimes right. um so I, I, out, if you look at wilson's performance right mm-hmm. it's high then he gets injured his first game's back from injured it's low and then the end of the season it's high again yeah. Like it really looks like he came back too early from the injury and it affected him. And then by the end of the season, the last three games, he's back to being Russell Wilson. I'd agree. I agree. I'd agree with that too. He was pretty clearly playing hurt for a month or so. Um, They're trying, trying to save what by that point, honestly, was already a lost season. Um, they'd already, the, the, the loss to Pittsburgh, the loss to Tennessee, a lot of games they could have and should have won that they did not. And with the way the rest of the division was going, it was, it was, it was they were done by Halloween realistically um but anyway um my my gut now says if something was going to happen it would have happened by now and you, obviously the league year is not over yet but you there's these deals get done and announced months before they're actually official um pete carroll is coming back and mike waldron is back at oc and i i, I don't think there's going to be a significant obviously no more coaching changes are, are going to happen but I think Russell Wilson will be back. He's still got two years left in his contract, so he doesn't have a lot of leverage if he does want to try and force a trade. Um, so my, my, my gut says he will still be here uh, for at least one more year. Teams are inquiring. I heard that in Mobile uh, frequently. Team, certain teams are inquiring. They're sniffing around about his availability, and the phone's not getting slammed in their ear for what it's worth. So, yeah. So, you know, stay, stay tuned on that element of things. As I look at this, I think they have $36 million on paper in cap space, which means, you know, they can bring back a few of these guys. I look at the offensive linemen right away. Dwayne Brown's older, but you can't just grab a left tackle, especially when you don't have a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick's another guy significantly you can bring back. So you can maintain these guys. The one thing I wanted the Seahawks to do is get a breath of fresh air on the defensive side of the ball in particular mm-hmm. so that we're not running the legion of – Boom, defense without the Legion of Boom. It doesn't look like they're doing that. When I heard they're they're promoting from within. It is official now. Clint Hurd okay. is their promoter from defensive line coach to coordinator. Okay. Probably just doing whatever Pete Carroll's defense. It's probably his scheme anyway. And right. uh, um, they did run a lot more two deep zone last year than they have traditionally. Right. And part of that is because the cornerbacks were question marks. I don't think they wanted to leave their corners isolated. I think they wanted as much deep coverage to help them out as they could. And mm-hmm. unfortunately they did this after a year after treating for Jamal Adams. And that's not what he does. Well, 
So there was a, a, a definite square peg round hole situation going on with this defense last year. Right. And you have an aging linebacker in Bobby Wagner, and you've got a guy who should sort of just be an attack the line of scrimmage linebacker and the other guy. Um, Jordan Brooks. Jordan, Jordan Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. And they're still in coverage constantly because you're still running almost no dime and less nickel than everybody else. It's, yes. Yeah. So there, there's there's a lot of uh, I, sloppy. Seems like a good word for, for how this defense was put together. Um, mm-hmm. the, the cornerbacks were less described with some guys who are available and hope one of them turns out. And that, that's something they have a track record of doing as, since Pete Carroll has been here. And that, that, that's how they got Russell Wilson. Let's grab five quarterbacks, including this little short guy in the third round. Right. And it, it turned out he worked out. <laughs> So um, they, they have a track record of doing that when they have a when they have a problem area is ju- just throw crap against the wall and see what sticks. And that's what they did at cornerback last year. And nothing really stuck. Um, so they were kind of stuck there. It's funny you bring up Bobby Wagner. He was drafted the same year as Russell Wilson. They're the only two players left in the Super Bowl championship team. But he's got one year left in his contract. He's 32 years old. And if they cut him, they can save $16 million for an aging off ball linebacker. Yeah. And if you take, if you take the emotion out of it, this makes yeah. a lot of sense. You, you, you yeah. Can add, go get some lineman or a pass rusher. It's hard. He, and he, he will not be unemployed for long. He has made eight straight pro, pro bowls. He has missed two starts in the last seven years. He's a good football player. Somebody will suck him up quickly, but for, for this team, which has so many holes in so many areas, that's a lot of money you could use. <laughs> so it, that, that's a very, very hard decision. Uh, Hitchhiker's Pie asks, is there any clarity on ownership and if Pete Carroll will get a new boss? What's the situation with the ownership of the Seahawks? Um, I'm forgetting I'm her name now. Uh, the, right. the, uh, the, the Seahawks own, oh God, that's embarrassing. It's the widow of... Um, it's the sister of... Oh, sister Paul of Allen. Paul Allen. Dodie Allen, is that her name? Oh, completely blanking. Yes, yeah. Jody Allen. Jody. She has been um, – she owns the team and lets the team do the team. And she, she her name does not come up very often at all. Um, so I don't – she is a non-factor, frankly. It, it, it's Pete Carroll's team for as long as he wants to be there, it sounds like. Unless right. things just go completely uh, in the mud and, and, and they win like three games or something. But So I don't, I don't think that's going to be an issue – Right. Um, you need you need third, fourth, and fifth receivers. You need that would be well, nice. The hope is that Dwayne Eskeridge happens after okay. the second round last year. So that would at least take care of third receiver. They need tight ends because both Everett and Disley yep. are free agents. Oh, brother. And the so the other two big questions you have you have Quandre Diggs there. He's probably going to get franchise tagged. Um, he was their he was their best player last year, all in all, yeah. certainly certainly on defense and and. And that's most likely what will happen, unless they can work out a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other question, the name you don't have up there on the top free agents is Rashad Penny. And that swing at the end of the year, when they got better, it coincides with Rashad Penny being, for five weeks, he was the best running back in the league. Uh, he went over 130 yards four times in the last five games, led the NFL with 6.3 yards per carry. I had 600 plus yards in, the, in those in those five games. Nobody else had 500. So here's a guy. He was a first round pick four years ago, and never started a game before this year. Hurt every game this year. He he would he did have a good uh, he's had good DVOA numbers in small samples in the past, but 
<laughs> at, the, at the end of his contract, I mean the end of his contract, he turned into everything you would want a first round running back to be. So well, it's it's a great it's, move for the Texans to go spend a lot. I was going to say, if anybody's going to spend money on a running back, I guess it's Pete Carroll. But I yes. mean, you know, as good as that, as good as that uh, month month was, <laughs> like I'm not under the like. I'm not convinced that he's Nick Chubb or Jonathan Taylor as far as being a running back who actually moves the needle. So I would think that their needs would be in other places. Mm-hmm. I I would agree, but like you say, but I'm not they? sure Pete Carroll would agree. <laughs> yes. So that 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 to me, um, like I say, I, I I'm assuming Russell Wilson stays, and and if he does not, we can blow up this entire conversation. But the the bigger questions to me are what do they do with Bobby Wagner and what do they do with Rashad Penny? And and those are questions because I don't know the answers. And you're stuck with a team that can say, well, they were better than 7-10, and fair enough. They're in this division with the Rams who, if Aaron Donald stays, they're not going anywhere. The 49ers are going to stay very strong. We just talked about how the Cardinals are, you know, whatever the Cardinals are, they're not a train wreck by any stretch of the imagination. How are you going to leverage it up and get better? And I, this is another team that I don't see. I don't see an avenue to that, especially if they're going to try and do so much business as usual. Yes. And the, the, the Adams trade, I think we can agree that it has not worked out very well at all. And the contract extension they gave him has not worked out very well at all. They, they need him to be a, a pro bowl player. And he was not close to that this year. And they're screwed. <laughs> They're screwed with that with that one. So, um, we'll see. It does seem like a team that is just going to, you know, we, we it seemed like playoffs are bust going into twenty twenty one. They didn't come close to making the playoffs, and there's not that much bust. Change <laughs> some defensive coaches, just bring everything back. Right. Yeah, and I feel like they bring everything back. What they're going to be is they're going to be like a ten and seven on the on the edge t of the wild card wild card type team mm-hmm. tough mm-hmm. division you know tough schedule because they're in a tough division although they do get the fourth place schedule so that for example they get to play the jets mm-hmm. um but like it doesn't feel like a super bowl team it feels like but it, it's like a better team than people think it is but it's like going to be like a wild card team it's a team they've been since 2015 oh yeah They'll beat some good teams. They'll beat some. They'll lose to some bad teams. They'll make the playoffs and might reach the divisional round. It's a team that can replace the Saints in the ecosystem of oh, here's the other playoff team. You know that's that, that's kind of it. There they'll be uh, the old the old uh, Marvin Lewis Bengals that make the playoffs every year and then no one cares. Right. That's that's kind of where they are right now. Yeah. Ugh. All right, let's uh, we'll wrap up the show for today talking NFC West. Want to thank everybody for joining us. If you're watching on Twitch or YouTube, if you are listening on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network, please don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show and check out all of our off season shows. Like I said, next two weeks today, tomorrow, next Wednesday, and next Thursday. And then I believe after that, we're going to be going to just Thursdays. we will cover tomorrow. Mike will be back and Derek Klassen will be here and we're going to cover the NFC North. So get ready for some Aaron Rodgers trade talk tomorrow. <laughs> you just make up the most outlandish trades in the world. At, at least most it. of the NFC North has their first round picks, except for I think Chicago. Mm. Um, but yes, tomorrow we will cover the NFC North. 
Thank you all for joining us. We will see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern. So long, everybody.